Well, good morning, everybody. It's Saturday morning here in San Antonio, Texas. March 12th, 2022. 2022. It's a little cold outside, maybe 35 degrees. It's going to get up to 60 today. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, cold's relative, isn't it? Because if you're in Chicago, be like, oh, it's going to be, it's 30 degrees. Yay! It's like a heat wave, you know? <laughs> Although March, that's cold for March here, isn't it? Mid-March to be that temperature in South Texas. Yeah, usually that happens more in February, but I think it's becoming more common. I don't know. Yes. Well, so. we skipped a week, didn't we? Yeah, we did, because what happened last week? It was my birthday. It was your birthday weekend. Do you want to talk about your birthday weekend? Yes, it was good. It was fun. Uh had three nice special meals. On Friday night, you and I went to a certain restaurant, which uh, will remain unnamed and um, disappointing. No, we should call it out because well, here's know. the thing. I don't like doing that. Why? Well, you want someone else to go there and not have a great experience? Okay, we're going to say it. Nobody's sponsoring us. Manchu Chu French restaurant outside uh, in the Pearl in San Antonio across from Hotel Emma. It opened about a year, over a year ago. We went for our anniversary last year and it was really nice. Yeah, it was really good. Great atmosphere. It looks, I mean, I've never been to France, but I can imagine walking through that alleyway there. You you would think you're in France, but people right. sitting outside. They've done a great job. Great experience the first time we went there with the fish and with the meat and then Second time I thought was fine. Oh, oh, there's a great bisque. Uh, uh, um, yeah, lobster bisque. If you're picky about what you get, it might be fine. It's the lobster lobster bisque. It's really really good. It has a pastry, and that was good. Uh, pastry on top. Pastry on top. Yeah. Finish it, your sentences, love. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, I rushed through it because I'm thinking if I was someone else, like I'd be like, just get to the point. Right, but then they I'm can't slow understand down. what you're saying because then you're them. not giving yeah. them a yeah, detailed yeah, yeah, yeah. description. Okay, I'm no longer going to do this podcast for other people. I'm just going to finish my sentences and take right. my time. So there's this lobster bisque, mm -hmm. and it, I call it the lobster. Uh, well, I don't really have a name for it, but I, it, it's like it's like a stadium. It looks like a stadium, right? In like that a it dome. has a dome. It has a a. a, a um, I can't find you, my fucking you, words. I'm sorry to curse so early. No, I'm mi missing words or something. Like, I couldn't think of the word soy earlier today when I was thinking of trying to search for soy creamer. Okay. And if there was more fat or less fat in that. And I could not think of the word soy. I had to go to Liam and say, what's the name of that bean? And I explained it. He goes, soy. I said, why can't I think of soy? Yeah. I feel like I'm losing words here and there. So, But That's okay. Back to the pastry. It's a lobster cream of lo lo lobster going on over there oh yeah yeah okay Cut you off just now. just ignore that i wasn't paying attention <laughs> that's the we're not leaving the show here that's our outro music oh my god <laughs> Ding. It's see you next week folks it's like you're we're done still here. because yeah we're still here I okay i'm gonna describe the lobster bit please do people. yeah it's in a small bowl it has a pastry dome over the top like a dome. croissant dome or like a puff pastry so, which is really flaky, very light, crispy, golden on the top. And you break through it with your fork. And then you have this delicious, creamy lobster bisque in the bowl, which is divine. Um, it's a little bit difficult to eat because you have to get the dome off. And so, you kind of have to pick, uh, pick away at it bit by bit to enjoy it. But as Brian was saying that... The first few times we went there, everything was on point 100%. But then we went about, I don't know, six or eight months ago with the kids. And um, this, the filet, the apoivs was not amazing. It was good. Just everything just seemed to have taken like one step down to where like it was still good, but it wasn't as not, good not as for that the price we paid. first time. And it's expensive. Yeah, it's not cheap. Like it's a special occasion restaurant for us. And then... No longer. Yeah, and then this time... Well, you did order a New York strip. But even... No, but I and it was strip so... And it, was, it, didn't, it didn't taste like a... It didn't taste... Like, it was so tough. It, it was, was tasty, so but tough. it shouldn't have been that tough. Yeah, New it was York like cutting through tough. a leather boot. Like, I mean, I was like struggling to cut this piece of steak. And then... But he usually orders filet and he didn't. So then we switched. I gave him my filet. But it still wasn't like... 
I mean, it oh, just. The Did you mention the fries? And being the old? fries came. They were overcooked. And yeah. then Brian complained, which is very unusual for him. Like he would almost never complain about really? anything. Oh, yeah. I think it must be stuff you're on because yeah. this is not like you to ever complain. I but, a dream. Oh, I'll tell you that later. Let me write that down. But anyway, we told the waiter, Brian told the waiter, and I asked the waiter, I said, do you want to taste the fries? And he said, yeah. And so he tasted them and he's like, oh, yeah. He goes, there's something wrong with them. And so they had a new fry cook. And um, so he found out that the fry guy was keeping them in too long. He was overcooking them and they were hard. So then they brought out new fries that Sorry. were, you know, way better. But they still never could match Lafrite's fries over at our other favorite French restaurant. So anyway, Manchu Chu is fired. Okay, so keep going with your birthday, honey. Okay, and I felt bad for Brian because that was his actual... Actually, that wasn't your actual birthday no, it night. It was the night before. So it was kind of like a date night. It was... Uh, yeah, so I think we're done. Here's the other thing. So where we, where I did want to go, where I would have gone was mm -hmm. Lafrite Belgian in Belgium or Belgian. Doesn't I think matter. it's Belgium. Google it and say Lafrite Bel. G. B-E-L-G. So, yeah. If you're in town, you want to go here for sure if you live here. It's on... I want to say Clark Street because it looks like Clark Street in Chicago, but it's on Alamo Street on the very old part of town. And that would have been, 50, for the same stuff, that would have been $50 cheaper and more consistent. This is the most consistent restaurant we've ever been to where every single time the steak comes out, perfect. One time it, it, it missed the mark. Yeah, only once. Because I think they've had the same chef. He's we've always been going there. there, what, four years or five years? Five years. Yeah. Loveliest people. Mother and son run the restaurant. They had a flood, so they shut down for a bit. They're going to open soon, but I'm just, I'm stick. For me, if it's my choice, I'm, st I'm going there. I'm sticking right, with that. Right, I totally agree. Can I do a second birthday where I we go there when it opens? Yeah, you can do okay. a second birthday. Okay, so keep going with your birthday Okay, weekend. sorry, yeah. Okay, then Saturday we watch Braveheart, and um, that used to be my favorite movie. It became my second favorite movie as I got older, and then Notting Hill took first position, and um, and we watched it again, and now it's gone for my second favorite movie. Probably it's probably dropped to about twenty five, thirty yeah. on the ranking. Wow, pretty significant. It drop is a quite there. a drop. You know, part of it is I think what Mel Gibson does is he really tries to shock you to tap in. I don't know if he's purposely doing this to tap into your desire for vengeance, and I I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think that helps us advance as a race to be yeah. to be purposely trying to wake up that part of us that wants vengeance because that just never goes anywhere. So, yeah, but then what's his alternative if he just if to he had make a nicer got, movie? Well, yeah, but if he if he oh you so you mean for the moviegoer? Like I was thinking like of William Wallace, like yeah, but William Wallace he had to like get people to fight, otherwise they yeah, would never yeah. have their country. Actually, that's fair. He. Uh, um, I think a lot of it was pretty historic, so I think it's fair. I think it's just I think he's just telling history for them. I think it's ninety, maybe eighty percent, ninety percent accurate. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. May, I mean, you'd have to ask him that question directly, but yeah, I mean, I didn't really feel a vengeful tone in the film, but I know you were very sensitive to that because you brought it up several times. Well, because the kids were there, like I was observing. Um, the kids and but isn't that all marvel movies too babe like well, they're not all extreme. based on vengeance like they're watching that if you haven't seen the movie i'm going to give it away they're, they're, his wife gets killed and finn's like oh no she was shocked but then when the vengeance comes she's like yeah <laughs> well yeah i mean isn't yeah. that an, that's really that's what that's what he's going for right do you think that's an abnormal human response it's not but i just i i think it's just uh the less we go there the better right it's not turn the other cheek yeah so if you don't turn, if you turn the other cheek, like if he had turned the other cheek, then all of their brides would have continued being raped on their wedding night yeah. because of what was it called? Prima Nocta. Prima Nocta. Which I think where he the made up for, for the movie. Oh, he made it I think up. He, that did happen, but I don't think it happened oh. then. Oh, okay. But it was a thing then, right? Yeah, it was a thing. I so just where the English ruler of the town could have sex with your wife on the wedding night. Right, to breed them out. Yeah, to oh, breed Scotland. out the, the Scottish people. So if you turn the other cheek then, 
this will continue to happen. You will lose everything. Like yeah, that's true. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? What do you suggest they do then? Um. Yeah. No, I don't think I said. I mean, it's it's basically it is history, right? And yeah. the Irish is very similar history with less success than the Scottish probably got, but we, you know, we eventually had success in the early part of the 20th century. But so it, it is historic. So I want to I want to backtrack and say I don't think I think he probably adds stuff in to get you like in the Patriot he. As the English shoot his son in the back, I think the British had a strong response to that. It's like he just totally overstated how what British oppression was like in the colonies, right? Right. So I think he does add his pieces in and probably to tap into that. Yeah, I don't think the British soldiers were like going around raping women and stuff. Um, I mean, not that I know of. They were taxing us. Yeah, I mean their 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 treatment of the of the Irish during the famine was pretty brutal, but I, I don't think it was that. I don't think it was that bad in the colonies. I wasn't there, but yeah, I haven't I haven't seen anything or read about anything like that. So I think he over he overstated it in in the Patriot to get you going, you know. Yeah. So anyway, okay, there's that, and then uh, we watched that, and then we went out Saturday night to mm-hmm. uh, High Street Wine Bar, and it was a lovely evening. They, yeah, it was they, beautiful. They, we were kind of sitting semi inside, semi outside because they opened those. I don't even know if there's a window there. There's an entire part of the restaurant that's completely open. They yeah. probably have shutters there. Anyway, that was very nice. And uh, Sunday, I don't remember. Maybe, maybe I read. I don't remember Sunday. What did we Sunday, do Sunday? Sunday, we watched Dirty Dancing. Oh, that's right. We did. I had, I've had i never seen that movie all the way through. Yeah. So Dirty Dancing, that says a lot. Like you would think it was just like an 80s puff romantic dramedy. Actually, it's not a... Yeah, it's a dramedy. It, but it has a lot of uh, a lot of deep topics in that movie. Yeah, you know, talking about abortion and class and privilege and all of these things that probably when you're watching it when you're you know fifteen or sixteen you're probably not thinking. Yeah, thinking of those things, but but y- yeah, it's a know, pretty loaded movie. It's an excellent movie. It's funny uh, going back to songs I hadn't heard in years. Um, She's like the wind. I like that yeah. song. Uh, I remember dancing at my Debs, and that, that came on. That was uh, debutante's dance, the mm-hmm. prom equivalent. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, what's the other one? Hungry Eyes. I hadn't heard that in a long yeah. time, and I actually liked that. Hearing it last Sunday, I liked it more than I've ever liked it. Yeah, never was on my radar, but it's fun to just know where the song is going because mm-hmm. it's so much in your mind. So that was that was that was cool. Yeah. And of course, Finn likes those. Um, all those songs. That's yeah, one of every her time I'm movies, taking right? Finn to, yeah, she's seen it like five, six times now. We watched it together. I think I watched it with her like a year, a year or two ago. What was the other? And, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. And then, yeah, she absolutely loves Dirty Dancing. That's one of her favorite movies. Yeah. And uh, what was the other movie we were gonna watch but we didn't? It was it was one of two. We went with that. You one. had picked another one. Were the were they the ones that you picked or the ones that Finn was talking about? I think I picked one, but I gave her an option. She went with that one, but there's another Pretty one. Pretty Woman. Oh yeah, I, I haven't seen that. Yeah, you since haven't seen 90, Pretty Woman. Ninety one when it came out. Yeah, Pretty Woman. That is, you know, that's pretty much a puff romantic comedy. What does um, that mean? What do you mean when you say puff? Well, it doesn't have like a lot of substance. Oh, okay. I mean, it does deal with class. Yeah. You know, she's, you know, uneducated. I mean, she's really smart, but she's uneducated and she's a prostitute. And then he's really rich. I mean, it's kind of like the fairy tale. He rescues her from, you know, being a a streetwalker or whatever. Um, But it's not, it doesn't have the depth. I mean, it's excellent. It's a really great film, but it's. You know, it just doesn't have like all of the layers that Dirty Dancing has. Yeah. But it's still very, very, very good. And both of them, I think, hold up uh, really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, but I mean, Pretty Woman, though, it's not, it's definitely not like Dirty Dancing is more of like a feminist piece of, uh, you know, being an independent woman, whereas Dirty Dancing is more she's being rescued by the guy. Yeah. So it's more old-fashioned right? than Dirty Dancing. I was just thinking, you don't often have 
the the reverse of that. And what I mean by the reverse right, of that is in Downton Abbey, <laughs> we saw the reverse of that where Sybil rescued Tom from his 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 older life of more poverty and brought him into the aristocratic world. Right, but but actually he rescued her first. Like if she hadn't died, if she hadn't been killed, I mean died in childbirth, yeah. then they would have stayed in Tom's world. But because she died and oh, they yeah, had yeah. Sibby, You're right. They were going then that direction. Tom okay. was brought into their world, which he's still not comfortable with. So when um Actually he's he gets more comfortable with it. When they um I was sure he'd end up with Mary and never it never happened. Though. I know. I remember them kind of thinking about going there, but then it didn't happen. That would have been cool. So did she die in childbirth when she was when she was home visiting? Or yeah. she wanted to have the baby at home. Yeah. Okay. Did you know that they wrote that whole story about him being Irish? They wrote, or he, Julian uh-huh. Fellows, wrote that in because when Tom applied for the role, uh, I think Fellows said, "Well, don't don't do a British accent. Just do, let's hear your own accent." And it was Dublin Irish accent. And he oh, said, "You know, let's cool. just let's just change your whole character and say you're from Ireland," which added yeah. a bit more. And that's right. Okay. I remember you telling yeah. me that. Okay, that was it. Sunday, and then um, and then your meal. Sunday night. Sunday we had a lovely night. Sunday night meal. From I had a steak, and that was nice. Very nice. Callum, was uh, it just very nice? No, it was one of the best steaks I've had in a while. Yeah. I feel pressure to put it on that. You said that last time we had that steak, it was the best steak you ever had. Yeah. I actually think I I, I ranked it number three in the world of steaks I've had, but I'd say it was it was better this time than last time. Right. Yeah. Where would you rate that steak in all your steaks? So I think the best steak I've ever had was actually here in town, Bahannon's, which okay. it wasn't cheap. It was a work event, and it was it was amazing. It was really good. And then I think Lafrite might come second, join second with Sullivan Steakhouse in Chicago. I, no I still remember way. that steak. No, no <clears throat> way. If you had Sullivan's right now, yeah. upside of Lafrey. Well, you can't listen. Beauty's in the eye of the eye of the beholder, so you can't say no. Wait, if I say it's great, it's great. It, no, I just remember it. I'm being just wondering great. if your memory is more nostalgic. It probably is, than yeah. like reality. Because the Sullivan steak was the best too. I'd ever had up until that point. Because you have to remember the steaks that we got at Sullivan's; those were just fillets, no sauce. No, at it, all. it was a Kansas strip, Kansas something strip. Oh, okay. It was, which I means I think that. it was both sides. It was the T-bone and the New York. I, I forget. There's well, yeah, that whole that. adds a, that bone oh, adds a yeah. whole different layer. It's the, so with the Kansas T, a T-bone is on one side, it's a filet and the other side, it's a New York strip, right? Well, yeah. That's how that works. You can't, it's really hard to beat a T-bone. It is. Because you got that bone there you get and both, you got that right? little. T-bone steak. That little tender section in there. Right. I'm getting hungry now. But anyway, that was a, they, that was an exceptional meal. Callum cooked those steaks. And those steaks were prime rib, not prime rib, prime ribeyes. They were $31 a pound. So that was a really excellent steak, babe. No, it was. Oh, no, I don't doubt that it was. Yeah. So. Can I tell you? Okay, let's, can I tell you, you were saying something about, what was it? Oh, you said I never complain. And I said to the guy, hey, I think these are old. Yeah. And that was a bit out of character. Right, yeah. And then you said, um, you think it's because of, you know. It's I'm on something. So uh, last night oh, I had a dream. Yeah. I had a dream last night that I was walking by a cube and my old um, workmate was there and Katy Perry was there and she was lying down throwing a fit. And it, it was mm-hmm. Katy Perry. It wasn't. I knew it was Katy Perry, but she looked nothing like Katy Perry. You ever have that in dreams? Yes. She's complaining and complaining that somebody's forcing her into doing something and she's exhausted mm-hmm. and they're all pandering to her like, oh, I feel so bad for you. And I said, I said to her, well, then why are you doing it? Yeah. And then she took an attitude at me, and I said, no. I said, you're upset because you're burned out and exhausted. Mm-hmm. But you must want to do whatever it was. I don't know if it was going to her. I said, you must want to do this. Yeah. You have the power not to do it if it's going to yeah. stress you out. And then she copped an attitude, and I said, I'm just here trying to help you. I'm not trying to be your enemy. And then she got all pissy with me. And I said, you know what? I'm fine. I walked away. And at the moment, I'm thinking, man, look, I don't really seem to care as much of what she thinks. Yeah. Even so that's, in my dream, I was saying That's it. great. Another dream, which I'm having a lot of dreams. Are you journaling these dreams? I you should. should. I, I yeah. should because I, if I, once I start recording them, I start to remember more. My family turns up. I'm, I'm in this hallway, and my, my brother, my entire, all my siblings turn up at this mm-hmm. wedding. And I'm like, where are you going? This we're going to this person's wedding, and I vaguely know this person. I'm wondering, like, why wasn't I invited? 
Mm-hmm. And then and then more people come in, and then the archbishop of the area we were in comes in to do the wedding, and I'm just moping around like upset, like why was I invited to this wedding? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's all about. Okay, that's it. Okay, so do you think you could potentially be Katy Perry? Uh oh, I hadn't thought of that. Are you, or maybe you're both of those people? Let me think. Um. Yeah, for sure. I think there's there's elements of that. I don't think there's anything going on right now that that I can think of that's causing that frustration. But mm-hmm. I think she felt stuck because I could clearly tell she was doing whatever she was doing to please other people at the cost of her own mental well being. Yeah. And I was trying to express to her, You're you're doing this and it's wearing you out because you're choosing to do it. Right. I was trying to and then she was kind of telling me, Well, just spit it out. What are you trying to say? I said, I'm not gonna spit it out. I wanna ask you questions so you can come to your own discovery. Yeah, so you're coaching her. What's really going on? Agile coaching hat and I was trying to dream. I was trying to help her see uh you have the power not to do this. Yeah. And to not worry about pleasing people. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't. She wouldn't go there. She just got all defensive. So it's like, okay, whatever, fine, I'll move yeah. on. So it's a great lesson for me as a coach of if you don't want to take my help, I'll help someone else. Right. But but you were brave enough to give her the it was yeah the feedback. Yeah, I think if I was a bigger fan, guidance. I would have been. I would have been scared. Like if I wouldn't have given that coaching to like Rick Ocasek, because I would have mourned the loss of his friendship. But do you think that that would be really being his friend if no. you didn't give him the proper feedback? No. Yeah. I don't think so. It's um it's a tough role as a coach because you're paid to you're paid to help them. Yeah. But oftentimes the person paying you they want your help but they really don't. That's so weird to me this industry of like people hiring people to help help people get better but then not Allowing you to actually do the work they hired you to do. But I think in human nature, they they want me to come in and help everyone else get better. Yeah, but not, but them. not them. They want they want you to fix the system, but they yeah. have this idea that they sit outside the system, and they don't. They're part of the system, yeah. and they're a contributing factor into why the system gets dysfunctional and why the system succeeds. Yeah. Where I default in is helping people celebrate where they're where they're get, helping the system get better because I'm nice. But where I need to move is, hey, your actions are affecting or making this worse. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Should it takes a bit of courage, right? It's easy to mm-hmm. tell people to do great because then they right. like you more. Right. Like if I'd said to Katie, oh, just uh, you're doing great. Like the people who were around her were feeding into her dysfunction mm-hmm. by focusing. Oh, I'm so sorry you feel bad. And I'm like, you've, you, you're depressed because you've chosen this path and you right. can choose another one. Right. All right. What else? Yeah, well, I'm reading a book called Good Morning Monster, and it's this psychologist, and she is writing about five of her clients, and um, I'm on the fourth client right now, or the third, I forget. Anyway, they've all had horrific lives as children, and um, anyway, one thing that she does is when they come in, if they share, you know, she'll ask them about their dreams, and some of them have really profound dreams that are so, uh, you know, obvious and easy to analyze. You know, so one girl came in and had someone else in the dream was suicidal. And um, the, psych- the psychologist didn't pick up on it, that that was uh, actually that meant her client was suicidal because her client turns out had like a multi-personality disorder but she she had these pers- three other personalities in her head but she never really let them get out she can she was very good at controlling them but um one of them kind of got out and that was the one that attempted suicide but anyway it was a very helpful tool because she said you know I should have been paying better attention and when I look at the dream now, I could see that it was obvious it was her, but she didn't know about the personality thing at that time either. But anyway, I it's probably a good thing that we should all write down our dreams, you know, because there might be some some profound stuff in there. I, th- I think there can you be, know? yeah. 
because the brain's in a very relaxed state and uh yeah i want to ask you how your how was your week my week was was pretty good i mean i painted um i don't know for some reason i'm really struggling with painting i don't know i'm just kind of in a rut kind of want to quit or whatever um but yeah, I um, I had a good week. I just cleaned, painted, did my scrum stuff. Um, pretty much got offered a uh, full time position in the future. I can't say that. I don't like I don't like to talk about specifics of work. Oh, you don't. Okay. What do, I mean, you can. I didn't say anything specific. Okay. No. Okay, that's true. Then that's a it's a tentative thing. Yeah, it's me being paranoid. Does anyone from your work listen to this podcast? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. So we could probably move on. Can I talk to you about your painting rut? Sure. Why do you think you're in a rut? I don't know. I'm just not into it. I'm just not feeling it, you know? How much uh, did you paint this week? I painted a lot. I mean, I painted, or was it last week? I don't know, but I did paint quite a bit. I completed a big painting that took me quite some time because it, Kind of took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do with it. And then when I did, like, I really like it. But sometimes I make paintings that are more, like, fun and bright and happy. And I don't feel like they are, like, sophisticated or, like, fit, like, a, I don't know, like, a high art type category. Not that I would put myself in that category. But, um, but anyway, and then I was working on another one that is different. And I really like it, but now I'm second-guessing it, too. Like, wondering if it actually sucks as well. Do you think because you're about to have your stuff hanging in a gallery, your target of who you're painting for has changed? No. So you're still painting for who? Me. Okay. Even though you're going to be hanging it in South Tone. Well, actually, I don't know if it's going to be hanging. I think those might actually be workspaces. I don't know. I've got to call and clarify because I thought that... These were display rooms, but then we were there the other day. Yeah. It looks like they might actually be work studios. Does that change your desire to be there? Well, I think it would still be cool to be there because they do have a gallery. So I'm assuming maybe the people that have their stuff in the workspace, maybe they get to hang their stuff in the gallery. Maybe that's how it works. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, if I get in a music rut, which I'm in now, I don't have a big yeah. desire to play. like. Last year, I played St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, that would have been nice this year. just don't have the desire to set it all up and stuff. But eh, what was I going to say? I there? mean, it's, oh, it's oh, fun. I don't Go know ahead. Just thought. Somebody's going out to see a show, like an open mic, or seeing other yeah. people play inspires me to um, to want to play. Yeah. To... Uh, so maybe being around other artists as they're working and talking to them may 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 help you because I mean you're yeah. you're an artist alone in at home and maybe maybe you need that community. I don't know. I just artists. don't see the point of it. Like, what's the point of painting? I just don't see the point of it. Maybe the question's wrong. That sounds like you a know? very Western industrialized. What's the point of it? What if doesn't? What if there is no point of it? Well, right. I'm just saying there's so many things that I could be doing like, you know, I could put my I mean, it doesn't really matter whether I paint or not. I don't think, you know, it's not going to matter to you. It's not going to matter to me. It's not going to matter to anybody else, really. I don't think. Well, like, it, but if you, it, like when you ask, just that term, what's the point of it implies to me that like there's got to be a an outcome around it or. Oh, right. Well, I do think it. there needs to be an outcome because if I just paint to paint, what's the point of things just sitting in my house? I don't have enough wall space to put it up. I think you do. I see it too. But I don't four want paintings. That. I don't no, want. That's, that's I don't want thing. to just create endless amounts of paintings. Why not? If people are going to buy them, then so you're, that's so fine. You're, you aren't painting for yourself. You're painting for other people to buy them. No, I'm painting for myself. In other words, when you asked me that question, I I heard. Am I painting? Am I changing my paintings in some way to please oh, an audience? Oh, I see. Yeah, That's I think how I was, I I was going there, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. am I painting? Am I reinterpreting my style for other people? No. I'm still painting in my style for myself and what I like. 
And then if someone else happens to like it, they can buy it. But I don't want to just produce painting after painting after painting if I, if there's no one who wants my work. So, yeah. I mean, I did sell when I did my taxes, I did notice I had sold a lot more work than I remembered selling like last you sell, year. You know? I think I sold 13 paintings last year. That's a lot of paintings. Not really. Well, who are you comparing I mean, yourself to? There's no to? way I can't make money doing it. What is that? So the point is to me, you're painting for income. Well, that would be nice. I mean, your skill brings in income, but yeah, my well, skill yeah, but doesn't bring in income. Well, my well, what's my skill? Well, you're a coach. Right, but my other skill would be writing. I, I write, but, um, you know, <laughs> I'm the New York Times bestseller. So right, but if just... I write for that, I'll stop writing. If I write for money, I'm going to stop very fast. Right. Well, I'm just saying it's hard to express to you what I mean. It's just kind of like... I mean, I know there are, that I have a lot of people who like my paintings, right? But, you know, when you create a body of work and you can't sell it, I just feel like what's the point of continuing to create? For what purpose? Yeah. So, okay. I don't I, have space for it. I and think then, I'm frustrating you with my circles. So let me just reflect, try to reflect back. And I, yeah. What are you going to say? No, I understand that art is important. I understand I'm a creative person. Creating is fun for me. I enjoy it. So I understand all of that. I understand yeah. what I think I hear you saying to me is that it's good just to do it. Like this is who you are as an artist just to do it. Like it doesn't, you don't have to get paid. Yeah. You know, money's a secondary thing. I, I get all of that. Yeah. You know, so, so let me ask a question. If uh, if no one, if you knew no one was ever going to buy your paintings, would you still paint? Um, I don't know. Okay. I might paint every now and then. If you had a, a giant barn where you could store a lifetime supply of paintings, would you keep painting? I might paint more. Yeah. Close to that mic there, would you? I might paint more. You might. Okay. If you had a I if you know. had a giant barn with a lifetime lifetime supply of storage for your paintings, but you knew you'd never sell one in your lifetime, would you keep painting? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Okay. So when Or you, I've just paint over the same painting. Oh, over so, and yeah, over again. so when you say you're painting for yourself, um, you're saying that, but I'm not I'm not sensing that. Because if you were painting for yourself and you had unlimited storage, you just keep painting. No, honey. I paint for myself. In other words... Are you getting a little Katy Perry on me there? Yeah, I am. No, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, okay, what are you trying to say to me? You're trying to say to me... Okay, number one, I don't paint for others when it comes to style. I no, paint I get that. for I get that. me. I get that. But and also, I can't... I, obviously, I would like to sell paintings, but no, that's that. just not reality. I get that. What I'm, what I'm trying to help you to see is... You're saying you're painting for yourself, but when I ask you questions, you, you, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not like your, you. Music's different. Music I'm not doesn't take you. up very much space. You sing a song, it goes out into the ether. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's a storage issue, though. I I, I think you're telling yourself that story. I, I think I that's think a you're making this a bigger deal than it is. No, no. I think I, I, let's let's see how far this can go. Um, yeah, there's no storage for music. I just play it. But like, for example, I worked on the song "Bad" by U2, and I worked on it for weeks, yeah. knowing I was never going to perform it because mm -hmm. I couldn't sing it. And part of me stopped and said, "I'm not going to keep doing this because I'll never be able to sing it." The whole point of me practicing is so I can play out. And I felt like I stole something from myself when the point of me playing was to always practice for a show to please other people. And I felt like I actually had more fun just learning a song just to fiddle around, knowing it would never go anywhere. And what I'm trying to say is it's okay to paint just to enjoy the painting process, Absolutely. knowing it's going nowhere. I know that. Yeah. I'm totally aware of that. I just don't. It's just there's so many other things that I have that I could be doing. Yeah, I know. That, you know, that I don't would... have time in the day to do all of this. And then I feel like I spend hours on a painting that then I am going to have forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And... Or, or you could paint over it. You could let it sit for a while. So, I mean, I did just paint over a painting, but I try not to do that ever because 
I find that a lot of times a painting I'm not crazy about, I might really enjoy three years down the road. But, um, so I try not to paint over things, but I did this time. I actually, I painted over two paintings. Yeah. Because I don't want to spend any more money on materials until I actually sell something. I should start recording songs, actually. I hadn't thought of that on this same setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah. I don't know why I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I just feel like in the bigger scheme of life, too, like we have to live our lives and everything, but, and I want to live my life as if life is going to continue on, right? That there are more years to be had and stuff like that. But when you look at the world and what's happening, it's like, they're just so, they're just the basics. Like, I just want a basic, simple life. I don't need to be known for my art. I don't need to be known for anything other than being a good person. You know, I just want to feed my family, have great experiences with my family, my friends, set my children up for success. What I want, like I'm very fulfilled. I'll still be fulfilled whether I paint or not because my my main source of joy or whatever does not come from painting. That's only a piece of who I am. That's not what defines me. You know, if you had someone who was, say, a, like some people are very much defined by what they do. Like, I don't feel like painting defines me, you know. Um, but yeah, some people are defined by their skill. And that's who they are. And if you took that away from them, then then they're like, well, who am I? I don't know who I am. Yeah. But I know who I am. And I don't, I enjoy it, but I don't need it yeah. to be happy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then if I quit painting and then I figured out that, oh yeah, I do want to paint after all, then I would just paint. So maybe that maybe that's the answer. Just quit for a while. You know? See how, you know, see how that goes. So, but I do want to paint. I am going to paint more. I'm going to, I want to get a group of paintings together for the space because I think that would be fun. You know what? I, so actually when I, I'm most motivated to work on songs when I have a gig coming up, either a virtual gig or, or a real one. Yeah. I'm the same way. So maybe, maybe you, you start with that. Yeah, I agree. Like that's because to me, there's like a purpose, like, yeah, because then I have a purpose behind it instead of just having them here. You know, I have a purpose behind what's going on yeah but i feel like this has been very boring talking about this you think so yeah why i don't know it just feels you bored boring to me or you think other people are bored both okay but thank you for trying to mine the depths of my yeah you're uncoachable i think um, i'm a how am i uncoachable because <laughs> you're my spouse that's why i don't think it works with a spouse what do you mean? What did you want me to? What, no, no, what just, response were you looking an, for? That's not from an insult. Me? I think if you were a stranger, okay, that is it a lie. Number one, I'm extremely coachable. I was and kind you of, know I why? was doing it to get under your skin at work. You know why I'm coachable? Yeah. Do you remember? I know you are. I'm do you remember when I had Callum and I was trying to learn how to knit? Yeah. And I was crying because my knitting project wasn't working out well and I'd gone to the second class and I was too embarrassed to go in. Yeah. I came back home. Plus, I probably had the baby blues. And you said to me, Bridget, you do one thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You paint. That's what you do. Do that. And from that day until now, I have never tried to do anything else. That's cool. You're, that's for, oh, knitting, like with the sewing machine? Is that what you mean? No, that's sewing. Yeah. Knitting is with I don't remember knitting. any of that class, but I do remember sitting in a, where we were sitting at the time. We were in a... Cross from Cullen's, I think. There was some Blue Bayou on, on, on yeah. Southport. I remember where we were and I said that. You coach me all the time, by the I'm way. I'm just messing with you, by the way, when I said you're okay, uncoachable. Well, it's not true. Okay, well, thank you. You should clarify that for the audience. I well, I, I purposely stopped. I felt like I was taking your coaching. No, you it's were. Just, I, I thought you okay. were. I think, were you trying to find something more than what you found in me? Well, I thought I'd found it and I was just trying to help you see it. 
What did you think you had found? You found that what uh, you that your 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 words weren't matching your actions. That your words were saying I'm painting for myself, but all the other words you were saying were I'm painting for an event. I'm painting for others. I'm painting to sell them. Yeah. Well, no, absolutely. Yeah. 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 No. I, yeah, because ideally, yeah, I do. I would want to sell. That's like that. It just it feels very discouraging. Yeah. When you know. I see, I'll go online and see artists who are selling, you know, making tons of money selling, you know, what I consider to be shitty art. Yeah. You know, and some of the, some of the art I like, and I know art is subjective or objective or whatever, but it's like, you know, my art isn't for everyone. I get that, but I just don't understand how some of these people get such an audience and then I like clawing my way to... Yeah, but do you think that's an unhealthy focus to be worried about them? I'm not... No, I don't focus on that all the time. I just... Just there are times when it, I have focused on it for a bit. Not but all the time, but enough time to irritate you. It is... Actually, because that's that's one of the main reasons I became a scrum master for... That's one of the reasons why I became a scrum master because I'm like, fuck it. I'm tired of sitting around, not making any money. Everything's on you. You have to carry the burden of every financial decision um, or paying for everything. Yeah. Which I know that's a very, you know, we've done that for years. I've been a stay-at-home mom and we we love that we made that decision. Yeah. And we don't regret that decision. But the chickens are leaving. But yeah, the chickens are leaving. And I'm like sitting here. And I just don't feel like I'm contributing. And I think a scrum master is, you know? is an artist. Is a, I've found the artist in me has come more, has been used more in scrum master coaching than it had more so in scrum mastery. There's an opportunity to, to kind of spice it up and, and bring some it's so color and life in, into though. it is. Yeah. But you got to bring some life into the, yeah. Bring and some I, life into and, the uh, world, yeah, uh, into the I, corporate world, which can be sterile. Yeah, and I agree with I totally agree with that because I think that it is a really unique role, and I feel like it's a role where I can truly be myself. I don't have to mold myself into that corporate bullshit that I hate. Yeah, and um, it feels like a very breathable space to me. Yeah. So, it and is. then too, having more money will then allow me, just like it already has, like my, one of my goals with becoming a scrum master was so that I would have money to pay for a space. And now I can, and I have this, I got the space. Now I can pay for the space now because people buy my art more when they see it in person as opposed to online. So. I think that's, um, it's funny you say that. That's the same with me. I think when people see me mm -hmm. being a coach in person, they're more yeah. likely to want me to come back. Yeah. I just don't, I don't like coaching virtually because it focuses yeah. on the wrong things. Like when my strength is, in, I think, in teaching and facilitating mm -hmm. and mentoring and coaching, that's just so much hard to do all virtually. Like it's right. hard to do a right. virtual big room facilitation. Yeah. Like it's a whole different feel. It is. And it's hard to do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And so yeah. I, I hope we, we. I can't I, wait to get back. Well, I never was in person, but yeah, I really would. I think I would really enjoy that. I think you would being around people, and it is especially at the big room events we do. I like get you're planning with two hundred people in the room. Mm -hmm. Like this client, I I will hopefully be now be working for is is all about back in person. I'm so glad because I think some companies are going to go on the cheap and do it virtual. It's just not the same. You yeah. Know? Well, because this is a field that's more. It's like a relational field. Yeah. You know, it's more, I mean, it's obviously it's about business and systems and things like that, especially at your level. But it's also, you guys are very concerned about growing the individual. Yeah. And making that individual a better communicator, a better human, a better person within the workplace, you know? Yeah. And I think that is done better face-to-face -face. yeah you know and you're you are very good at that you know thank you 
You're welcome. What are you grinning for? Brian's got his ugly feet oh. on my chair. Okay. You can put your feet back up there, honey. No, they are kind of. They're not. They're not I my love strongest. You. you can put them back up there. I don't there. need to. I mean, you can love me and not have to see my pongers in your face. See your feet. Which was, I think I shared this in the podcast once, but that was almost a deal breaker. <laughs> yeah. When I saw, I had invited Brian to go with me to my Aunt Novella's birthday party in Angleton, Texas. And so, and we'd only been dating, what, a month or two? It was very soon. Yeah, about two months. It was April of, yeah, we started dating and, in um, February. So he said he would, and then we get to, uh, my dad was... I don't know if he had bought a trailer house or was renting one in Angleton, Texas, and uh, which was very odd, by the way. I don't remember why he did that. But anyway, we get there, and Brian took his shoes off. And uh, I saw his toes for the first time, and I was like... You also saw my arms, which... Uh, I was like, oh, where my were, where God. Where were we when I took my shoes off, and you could see my toes? We were sitting in the living room of the trailer house, oh, and well. you took your shoes off. There was a coffee table in front of the couch and I looked down I put my feet on the coffee table no you, they were on the floor but I looked down and I saw your feet for the first time and I was like uh I might have to end this did you <laughs> oh. really did you really think that yes oh come on your first you had a serious no I totally did Brian I was like it was uh, a serious thought yeah yeah it was a serious thought I was like these yeah. feet are just you know, I, I admit, I've already admitted no, yeah, no, yeah. that I was shallow. Do you remember when I was sitting? Because the trailer had a porch on the on the, on the the back of it. By the way, mm -hmm. I've learned that the back of a trailer is not the whatever the whole planet thinks is the back. But the, the back oh, of the trailer is if yeah. you were dragging it. Because that's right. a whole other story where I got stuck in the mud behind a trailer because I didn't know where the back of the trailer was. Well, you can't help it. You're not. From White Trash, Southeast you Texas. Do, you don't have to go there. The back, the back of the trailer is the opposite of the front door. The front door, the back of the right, trailer. Right, so on a trailer is a rectangular prism. Yeah. So you would consider the long section to be the front. Well, only because the front door is on, on that right, part. Right, yeah. Where the front door is, we consider the front. But okay. yeah. Brian thought that the front of the trailer was the top end no, the opposite. I thought that. So the reason this oh. is coming up is because we rented an Airstream trailer in Marfa. Yeah. And the guy said park at the back of the trailer. Yeah. Well, the front door of the trailer was on the long part. So I tried to go on the back and then we got stuck in the mud. Yeah. And I realized after, oh, the back of the trailer is from the perspective. If you were to drag the trailer, that's the back. Well, N you know no, what I'm not around the back, the opposite side of the front door. No, so see, so you you even agree that that's at the time you said no. The everyone knows the back of the trailer is the, the uh, the short. You know the uh, how, I can't think of, that. Well, if you were to drag that trailer with a truck, the part that the car behind you sees is the back. That's what they meant. That's where I was supposed to park. No, that's where you did park. That's no. where you got stuck. No, because you pulled around. No, it's not. Oh, because it's an airstream. It's not a mobile home. It was an airstream. Yeah. So the back. So it's different on a mobile. Uh, it's different well, on an airstream than on a mobile home. I don't think it should be because on a mobile home, the front door is still on the lengthy lengthways part, okay. right? Yeah, well, this doesn't matter. It does matter because I got. What, the, what else the, were you trying to say? No, the truck got stuck there overnight, and I almost busted his pipes in the back, and he was all upset. And that, and then, and then a truck tried to get me out, and the truck got stuck, and then another truck had to pull him out, who pulled yeah. me out. It was like a fiasco, only because. What was my point? I forgot my point now, but the I back know. of the trailer. I was trying to get you back before you got Thanks. too far away. Oh, on the on your dad's back of the trailer. Yeah. He had a porch. <laughs> oh my gosh, I do ramble on. He had a porch, right? Yeah. And you could see through the window me sitting on the porch, and I was sitting yes, out I there, could. and he, he came out with a shotgun mm -hmm. to show it to me. Yeah. And um, you said my face took a turn. It was like, not that I thought he'd shoot me, but you said my face just turned, and he thought it was comical. Yeah. He's, let me show you my shotgun. Just in context, I just, I'm dating his daughter. I was like, do you even, well, obviously he doesn't know, he didn't know anything about you. You're not like a. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd not like fired a, gun, a shotgun a gun guy. in my teens. Yeah. Anyway, that was a nice trailer. Was it? I don't, you know, oh, yeah. I have no idea even sleeping in that trailer. When I got the call for you asked me to go there, I Chris Abramson and I were talking. And mm -hmm. we, I went into a meeting. I could not focus. Wow. I was so nervous. Really? Because it's like, oh, it's getting real now. We're getting serious. Wow. You know, it's like, sh wow, she's really rushing me here. Was I? No. I don't think so. I needed to be rushed. 
was 27, 28. Yeah. You know, time to settle down. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the end of that chapter. Yeah. What else are we going to talk about? Um, oh, wait, there was something I was thinking of talking about, but. Uh, we could talk about if you're a pessimist, not a pessimist, sorry, a pacifist. Oh, yeah. What do you do when someone like Vladimir Putin is coming in? Do you just walk the other way? What do you do? Okay. Oh, this is why I brought this up. This oh, it's okay you brought it up. I'm just trying to think through the answer. Because I was listening to people talking about Putin and like trying to analyze him and what things he does and what things he could continue to do, like different scenarios of how he could retaliate against the United States or or Poland or the Ukraine. And um, anyway, I was just thinking he is so anti the West and anti the United States. Like he's convinced that we're trying to take over and then he's using all our sanctions that we're putting in place and saying to his people, look, they're trying to look what they're doing to us. What I've been telling you is the truth. They really do hate us. Yeah. And they really do want to take over our country, you know. And I don't know. I just had this idea. I mean, it wouldn't work at all. But like, what if you just like bombarded Russia with tons of love and tons of. Oh, yeah aid like instead of cutting off instead of putting sanctions on them like put sanctions on like their weapons yeah and things like that and any kind of weapon supply but then for the people if you could get in as much aid into their country as possible you just flood them with it but I then think, yeah they wouldn't let you i mean there's you, no way to get it there's in no there. way to get it in there i do like the idea but you just there's no physical way to get it in there yeah because you know i mean if we could bombard someone would love an aid it would be ukraine well obviously the ukraine obviously we no, are doing it, yeah. that with I'm, the ukraine i'm just saying more that like the, it's the same um i it's just the same logistics you can't get the planes over either space well right because then you would have the i'm just trying to think like how do you change the psychological mindset of someone to yeah. show them we don't want to take you over we you know you could do if they if they all had this sounds silly but if they had Venmo, mm-hmm. just fire a bunch of money from our accounts, federal accounts into their Venmo accounts. But they can't. I think all banking yeah. stuff. That's the only way you could do that. Their do ruble the money. is, uh, or what's it called? Is ruble, it a ruble? Yeah, it's a ruble. I just feel so bad for the Russian people. I mean, they're the I ones just... that are getting gypped because of him. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the Ukrainians too. But it's like, how do we change? Because he like. He has propaganda all the time telling them that the Ukrainians are anti-Semitic, that they're not, they're like Nazis, basically. And then also telling his people that we want to take them over, you know, and how do you show a country that no, that's not true. Like, we just want you to have the same freedoms that we have. But we don't want to go in and, like, take over your country and force you to do something like that. Like, that's anti-American to go in and force someone to do something. Is it? <laughs> well, no, we've done that in the past. Yeah. That's the whole problem is he's, he's seen us topple other governments. Yeah. So he's, so afraid, he's yeah. convinced in his mind that that's what we're going to do to him. So, so if, if there was a way, because I don't think there is any desire to do that to him. I think the desire is to not let him rebuild Soviet countries, you know. But how do you convince him? Like, I don't. I, I don't know. think there's any American and interest in Russia. And then convince the Russian people that like we we don't hate Russian people. Like Americans don't hate Russian people, or even Russia. I don't. I never hear anybody saying that they hate Russia. No. I mean, they just. I, don't, I think most I don't people think don't like Vladimir it, Putin, but they don't. People have respect, I think, for Russia and yeah. for their people and admiration. They're so. I was watching a video yesterday. It came through on um, it was a TikTok video, and um, it was a lovely image. I, I think, if I, as they as they describe it, people might think, "Well, yeah," but didn't make a difference. But it was it was um, on face value. It was lovely. It was um, early two thousands when Putin was first in office, and it's George Bush 
George W. Bush and Putin mm-hmm. in a hall dancing with a group of people. Yeah. And they're just having a blast. And uh, at the end, they sit down together at a table and Bush just shakes his hand. You can tell they, were, they liked each other. And even Putin came to America and talked to some school kids. And Bush had him over for a barbecue and they'd visit each other. And I was just thinking like, yeah, so, and people make fun of Bush saying when he looked in his eyes, he saw his soul or something. And Well, maybe th- Putin wasn't as far gone as he is now. Or, or he could have been and he fooled Bush and could have used him but and all that stuff. But people are forgetting yeah. he's a murderer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the point is that um, if you're ever going to reach someone, when he's sitting beside him and they're smiling, like if you're ever going to reach someone, it would be in that context where, where it was all Russian dancing and Bush was doing his best to connect with that culture. And I think one thing Russia has, has struggled with through history, and I don't know their history like you do, is um, they, I think they just want to be respected for their culture. Now, I don't know if that's totally true, if that's if, well, no, if they could care less. Well, no, he doesn't want any... Right, he wants that, but that he doesn't want anything from the West coming in. Like, yeah. he just thinks that our whole system is crap. And that's fine. I'd love to know what the Russian people think of that, because there's got to be a way to... Like, with the Irish, they still can keep their culture and still be part of the EU. I'm sure there was concern about that. Right. Like there, the, um, But I think they're... You know, and I, I'm not on the ground there, so I don't know quite how, but it seems like the Irish were fine to be part of Europe, but also maintain their culture. And they've done both yeah. quite well. Yeah. So why can't Europe, or why can't Russia, not that I'm saying it should be part of EU, but if it does or doesn't want to, why can't it keep its culture and still? Well, because he has that whole grandiose picture in his mind of old Mother Russia. Yeah. He's like in love with that. But the, I mean, and that's what he wants. He wants to bring it back to what he considers its former glory days. And which includes taking back some more. Yeah, land, like right? he has Catherine the Great, a pet portrait of her hanging in his office. Nicholas. Uh, there were more than one Nicholas, right? I forget yeah, which I think one. So. And then one other, one other czar. And these are the people that he admires. You know, when they were they were over these great empires and he sees himself yeah. as this type of leader. This is what he wants yeah. to do and achieve. I noticed you didn't say like Lenin and Stalin. Like, does he have a desire for communism to come back and do that? Or does he just want it under the Russian? I have no idea. Yeah. The Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I just thought it'd be great if there would be some way that we could bombard... Russia with, Love bomb. with food and everything that I think that would be so cool. Yeah. But it would probably be impossible to do. I don't know. I mean, again, going so I don't back know to if we have any Russian listeners. I know we saw on there that there some, were yeah. some, but if there's a way that you think we could send you food or, or anything let us know send yeah. us an email and uh, hopefully you're still um for the six or so people who did download the episode in russia um hopefully you're uh, still here and you're still able to hear us and know that um we that don't want your as, country as us as americans we we have um if anything we we would have a curiosity to know more about who you are your culture right. and learn that and not want to want you to be westernized yes. or, uh, and, and unless you that's a desire of yours right absolutely but, not absolutely not yeah wouldn't it be cool if um one day um it's, it's fun to dream it's unlikely but one day we did have more russian listeners and we could do an, a road show of the podcast in russia in siberia or somewhere no not you're not for feeling me. it not no. for you i could go <laughs> i could skype you back in texas and you know well, no, I think it would be cool, but it's just, you know, for me, there's always that plane ride that I don't like. You know, you're speaking of, I have two connections I want to make here now with two things we talked about. We mentioned big room planning, right? Yeah. So I first came across the idea when I was at Nokia in, in 2014 and over a span of a week, a lot of the guys I'd met and talked to, because I'd been, I'd had two tours of duty there at Nokia, mm-hmm. one in 2011, one in 2014. And in 2014, a ton of um, guys I, I I had known in Slovakia and Germany and Italy and so on came in person. It was so nice to see them. I said, oh, well, you're, why are you in town? I said, we're here for two days, big room planning. Yeah. So they planned the quarter's worth of work in person. Mm-hmm. 
and they flew everyone in for the two-day events and a lot of companies are doing that and they're seeing yeah. the importance of it but during that um event uh some guys went out for a beer and um they came back and there were two guys who worked together one was so nokia was um garment they make a, a it was a division of of garmin software so navtech was the company they made the software for mapquest and garmin so mm -hmm. their competition was google maps right uh, anyway, one of the guys was a driver in where was he? He was in Russia, at, mm -hmm. or, uh, and he would he would drive those those Baltic areas to to, to map and record the roads for yeah. for the software. And um, another guy did a similar. Uh, I think he just did the same role in Germany. As of two thousand fourteen, mm -hmm. they did that. Over a beer, they they were talking. One guy he said, "What did you do in the eighties? He goes, "I was a guard on the on the Berlin Wall," mm -hmm. and. Um, facing west protecting russia and the guys other guys the german guys jaw dropped he goes so was i he goes really he goes yeah i was a guard on the on the west german side mm -hmm. sorry the russian guy was on the east german side the other guy was on the west german side mm -hmm. and as they dug into each other's stories they realized that at one point in time they were literally in the turrets across from each other because oh, they figured wow. out their schedule and when they did it they were literally at the turrets across from each other, pointing at each other's turret. And no then here they were. Way. Here they were in the in the in two thousand. That was in the eighties. They had that job, and here they were in two thousand and fourteen, having a beer together. And they both toasted each other and said, "Here's the better days." And I love that story. Yeah. And partly because had we not got together, it's a lovely story as it is, but it's yeah. a great sales pitch for why we want to get together more and right, plan together. Right. And they never would have figured that out. Yeah. Unless they had the beer together. Right. That's why you have to get together with people. Yeah. And not be afraid of someone thinking the opposite thing. Now, if they drive you nuts, then you never have to get together with them again. Yeah. But usually there's always something really good about a person that you can connect over and with and find a common, yeah. find some kind of common ground. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, one more thing has become the St. Patrick's Day uh, NPR. Steve, what's his name? Steve, who does the travel journals. Mm -hmm. You know his last name? No. That's all right. And they were listening gonna, to it last <laughs> night and I forget. Um, anyway, he was talking to some, he was talking about the Irish, how they love to tell stories. And I was just thinking it. Um, that's true. Do you have any Irish stories you would like to tell, Brian? I wasn't trying to cue that up, but I was just thinking about, I was drifting off thinking the importance of stories, mm -hmm. telling stories, and hope we don't lose that as a human race. I highly doubt that. Oh, there was something I wanted to bring up. So I was talking to a guy on Thursday, and uh, we were just free-flowing conversations, the whole point of why these guys get together on Thursday nights in the neighborhood here. Mm -hmm. And um, And anyway, we were chatting, and he was asking himself the question, how did I get to that point? And I remember thinking, like, I asked that question a lot, right? How did I get to that point? Like, we're trying to connect the point we're on now to the previous point. And, my, and I did a lot. So I said to him, that's okay. But there's no rules in conversation. Because I find that when yeah. we're talking, we feel, at least the story I told myself was, we feel a pressure to connect what we're talking about now to what we were previously talking about. Or we feel a pressure to make a point in our conversation. And I think that's, I think that's a, a problem. Yeah. If we're having a free-flowing conversation, there's no rules. We're just chatting. And if we wander off into this yeah. place, fine. Why don't, we don't have to backtrack to? of how we got there. I think it was a podcast, but they did. A, they were talking about friendships and the importance of friendship. And they said that if you, people don't really care if you're, you know, an excellent storyteller. They don't care if you're entertaining. They don't care if you're, if you have money or anything like most people just want someone who cares yeah and who listens and who is authentic that is really all people want in a friend like yeah i think sometimes like i will i feel insecure sometimes like being friends with people who i think might be you know have more than me or smarter than me or they're funnier than me and um, things like that. But no one is really judging people that way. You know what I mean? 
So they just want someone who is a good person, who's a good friend, you know? Yeah. So I, I agree with that, you know, just being there and yeah, that's the most important thing. So true. True that. Well, yeah. I think we've, uh, I think I'm hearing the, the ending music coming in here. So, oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, we're pretending. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm going to cue it. Uh, any uh, last, uh, any last words? I don't know. I'm sorry if this was really boring. No, you, you shouldn't see. You got, this is, I'm not going to apologize. This is just us doing this for ourselves. And if one person listens, that's a bonus. Yes. And, and, and a few people do and this. And I didn't frequently. bring up religion, not even one time. I'm amazed. Yeah, we just brought up no, didn't you? Well, I did, but I'm not talking about it. Not yet. But I just wanted to point that out. I did. I'm very impressed. That yeah. I get points for that. You should get points for that because it's a. We did talk about politics, not much about religion, and um, what else? I think that's it. Hope you guys have a great Saturday. Sorry, it's a bit late getting out. I'd love to get to a place where you wake up and you have this old podcast sitting in your queue. You know, because we're the most important thing in your We are the most agenda. important thing in your Saturday. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> thanks to all of our listeners, yeah, yeah. people who listen all the time. Thanks for your feedback. Thanks for uh, any reviews you may write for us. Please give us a review, even yeah, if you think yeah. we're crappy or whatever. And, uh, com- but uh, hey, if you give us a five-star review, we will read it on the oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, we will. And Bridget, even uh, if it's bad, you can put five stars and yeah. then just say something bad about and let's us. Let's start a conversation on our Facebook page. What's the name of the Facebook page? Okay, Bridget? who's going to own that? You, are, you've had it for like a year now. I, I think. did. Maybe. I, I did. Forget, I did the like, music. As soon as we shut I did the this mics. down, I go and I, I did forget. the music. I did the mics and I well, did. Well, can you just own reminding me during the week? Why don't you? You got a phone right there in your hand. I Why do. can't you write I have it down? A phone right well, Bridget here. makes a reminder to set up a Facebook page where we can hear from you. Um, we will um, there you go have a great Saturday and we'll talk to you next week okay adios bye